flyer in your seat as well. There's four announcements on this. Uh, just additional stuff that's going on here at the Life of Good News. And so you look at that, take that with you so you can remember some important dates. Uh, because I am the student ministry director, I have a vested interest in student ministry. I'm going to address this side of the page, which has student ministry information coming up on it. So I'm very excited that we're starting our semester back August 21st for middle school, Monday, and then August 23rd for high school, it's Wednesday. Uh, Super excited to be getting with the gospel partners, the people who are going to be leading the student ministry alongside me. And God, we're really, really, really excited for what God's going to do this semester. Um, and then we also have a launch, which is going to be for our rising sixth graders. Some information, some dates to remember if that applies to you. Um, we have August 20th, which is the day before the official launch date of us. Uh, middle school student ministry we're going to be having an open house over in the outpost where lamp happens that's during the first service and so for parents and six rising sixth grade students this is an opportunity for you to show up see what lamp is all about on sunday morning we're going to have breakfast like we always do over there um, and you'll be able to kind of see what that regular routine will look like on a sunday for you also august 14th the sunday or the monday before the official start date of August 21st for middle school. We're going to be having kind of a soft launch for those rising sixth graders. So you're able to come, meet your leader, um, hang out, and kind of get a feel for what Monday nights will look like before being just pushed into it officially on the 21st. But I am so excited for what God's doing in the life of Good News Church and also the student ministry. But I'm also excited for this morning. So let's bow our heads and let's pray and ask for God's blessing as Smiley comes up to preach. Father, you are holy. You are glorious. We thank you for your presence today. We thank you that we even have the ability to come before you and worship God. We thank you we're able to sing songs to you. We're thankful we're able to give of our resources, Lord. And we're thankful we're able to receive from you in, in the hearing of your word preached and the receiving of the sacrament of the Lord's table this morning, God. Let us be strengthened and encouraged to be faithful believers in our life. In our Christian walk, God, following you, let us be faithful. Let us be encouraged to be that. We love you. It's because you first loved us, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Logan. In good news, we love to catch people doing things right, and so we caught someone with their first serve this past week, and we appreciate Maya Larson and her first service. It's great to be back. Karen and I spent last week with our oldest daughter, Lydia, and her three girls, and uh, we, were, we provided daycare for a week, and really glad last year when I came back, I had pneumonia, and I don't have pneumonia, so I'm really, really happy. Um, if you're new, we believe the Bible is God's Word, and we've been studying through a book called Second Timothy. If you have your Bible, would encourage you to turn there. Uh, if you don't, you can follow on the screens, but get a Bible. It's, it's God's Word. Um, and, and if you're able, as I read this passage, would you stand as I read verses 1 through 7? You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life 
so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Uh, You may be seated. Do you like bad Bible jokes? Not that the Bible is bad, but the jokes are bad, okay? Oh, we, I, we, Karen and I were coming back this week, and we heard this podcast, and uh, the guy had one. You know, Noah built an ark, right? And on the ark, there were cows. So what did, what did Moses get from the cows? What? Milk. Okay, you're pretty good with that. Well, there were ducks on this ark. What do you think he got from the ducks? There you go, quackers. Very good. That's what he got. So on the ark, they could have cheese and quackers, okay? I told you it's a bad Bible joke, okay? How about one more? Who's the smartest man in the Bible? Jesus. That's always a good answer, yes. Uh, Abraham. Because Abraham knew. There you go. knew a lot. There you go. Pretty sharp. Okay. Enough of that. Most of you are saying not only is he horrible at telling jokes, but he's so old he doesn't realize this is what Strider spoke on last week. I'm aware of that. But look at verse 7. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So our part in the Christian life is to consider, and the Lord's part is to give us understanding. So we're actually going to spend the next four weeks in this same passage. And the reason is that Jesus invites us to make disciples together, and so we're going to spend four weeks exploring that, because our purpose as a church is to make disciples together. And we believe verse 2 gives us great insight in that. So we're just going to spend some time thinking through it. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Jesus' last command we call the Great Commission, was it go and be disciples of all the nations? Is that what it is? Is that it? No, it's, it's not to go and be disciples, it was to what? Go and make disciples. And you say, well, what's the difference? Here's the difference. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. Well, and it takes one to make one. You need to be a disciple before you become a disciple maker. But a disciple maker is someone who's bringing others with them. There's a difference. Listen, a disciple is a follower of Jesus, and personal holiness, following Jesus, is really important because you can't make one if you're not one. But a disciple-maker isn't following Jesus alone. He's invited other people, come, come and follow Jesus with me. And that's what we want to do as a church. Yes, we want to follow Jesus, but we don't want to follow him alone. We want to bring people with us. So... What are the qualities that make a good disciple? They're faithful, and they're available, and they're trainable. They're fat. I said fat at the first purpose. Everybody thought I was making fun of people. So, no, no, they're they're faithful, available, and trainable, okay? And when we look for someone, I mean, our lives here on earth are short. When we look for people that we want to invest in, what kind of people do we want to look for? Those that are faithful and available and trainable. So Jesus invites us into a disciple-making, uh, you know, adventure to make disciples together. And sometimes I think I, I shouldn't be the one speaking on it because I failed so much. A lot of times in life, I think I have a negative learning curve. 
in life. Anybody else feel that way? The older I get, the less I understand life. I've been married for almost 42 years, and I understand marriage a, a whole lot less today than the day I got started. I have a negative learning curve in marriage. Anybody else like that? I've been a pastor for a long, long time, and I know a lot less today than when I started. I have a negative learning curve. It seems like the longer I live, the less I understand things. Matter of fact, this week, a lady asked me, Smiley, why is life so hard? It is, isn't it? You know, I, I said, because we're broken people living in a broken world, and everything is hard. Everything in life is hard. And <laughs> So at this point in my life, there's only two things that I really know very clearly. Uh, what I'm really convinced of is, first of all, that I am a great sinner. Could I get an amen for that? That was a little too loud, you know. <laughs> but you know what else I know? I have a great Savior. Could I get an amen for that? Amen. amen. Oh, let me show you a verse. It's such an encouragement to me. Remember back in January, 1 Timothy 1, 15, it is a trustworthy deser statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Man, I am so thankful for Jesus, aren't you? Do you know that religions teach you have to save yourself? But the good news of the gospel is Jesus saves sinners. I don't stand a chance saving myself. But Jesus says, all we need to do is say, help! And he saves sinners. Don't you love Jesus? Oh, man. Every night when I go to bed, I'm so overwhelmed with my failures and I'm so thankful for Jesus to know because He died and rose that our failures are not fatal. And, and here's what I'm learning is, is how important it is to fail forward. I mean, we all fail. So if we're going to fail, why not what? Why not fail forward and learn from our failures? And that's what I want you to do. We as a church are failing forward and making disciples. We're, and, and we'd love to have you join us in failing forward and making disciples together. And so I'm going to share with you a little bit about my own disciple-making uh, adventure to, to help you fail forward. My disciple-making adventure begins with Young Life many years ago. Many years ago, I grew up in St. Augustine. A friend invited me to Young Life here in town, and I said, what is Young Life? And you know what he said? Come and see. He just said, come and see, because he believed that if I would come and see Jesus, everything would change. And so I went, and I went to cause trouble. But you know what I wasn't prepared for? I wasn't prepared to see Jesus. And my young life leader opened the Bible, and he, he helped me see Jesus. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. As week by week, my young life leader pointed me to Jesus. You know what happened? The Holy Spirit showed up, and He opened my eyes, and I realized that I was lost. For the first time in my life, I understood the bad news of the gospel. For the first time, I realized the horrible things, the way I had treated my mom and dad. Have you ever seen how bad that is? When the lights come on and you see Jesus, you say, wow, I've sinned against God. And when the lights came on, I realized all the things I had stolen from servers and my brother, all the things, and I saw how horrible that. Have you ever seen what your sin is like? 
And I saw all the lies that I had told and the lights came on and I realized that I had committed crime after crime against God and I was in big trouble and what I deserved was hell. It's not just me, you know, the Bible says what for? All of sin and fall. Have you ever seen that? Oh. And once I saw Jesus and saw my sin, then I saw how beautiful Jesus is. Because when you realize you're a sinner and you realize you deserve hell and you see a Savior and His name is Jesus, He's the most beautiful one ever. For the Son of Man is... I was lost. I was hell-bound. And God the Son left heaven to come and seek and save me. Oh, and week by week when I saw Jesus, He was so unlike my friends. My friends, I had to earn their love and do what they wanted me to do for them to like me. And you know, even though I had sinned against Jesus over and over again, He loved me. Oh, The kindness of God, the love of God undid me. Has it undone you? But God demonstrates His own love toward me and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. While I was living in rebellion against God, Jesus stretched out His hands on a cross and said, I love you this much. And He died for my sins. And when I understood that, man, that was life-changing. He died for me. (laughs) He died, but He didn't stay dead. The third day, He rose from the grave, proving He had conquered sin and death. And you know what? He offered me eternal life as a free gift. He offered me forgiveness for all of my sins. Have you ever done anything wrong? Would you like to be forgiven? Do you know you can? He offered me a chance to do life with Him, with a friend and a purpose. Are you looking for a friend? Jesus offers that. He offered me the chance to live forever. Don't we want to live forever? And it's a free gift. And we receive it by faith. To me, it just seemed way too simple. There's got to be more. There's got to be a catch, and there's not. Oh, the way we receive eternal life is by receiving Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Have you? Oh, if you haven't, won't you? Oh, the verse, Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Oh, the way we receive eternal life is by receiving Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And if you've never done that, won't you do that? I mean, you can do this now. I'll help you when we close in prayer. But I tell you, when the lights come on and you see your sin and what you deserve is hell, and you see Jesus and the offer he makes of forgiveness and doing life and eternity, listen, you're just compelled to say, Jesus, come in. So here's what happened. I admitted, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. Won't you? And then I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Thank you. And then I, I committed. I, I received him as Savior. Forgive me. Give me to life. Be my Savior and be my Lord and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, and he did, won't you? And when Jesus moved in, you know what he said? He said, follow me. And you know what happens? I began to follow Jesus. He began to change my life. And I've walked with him for 55 years. And it's been so good to have a friend and a purpose. Don't you want a friend and purpose? And you know how it all started? It all started with someone just saying, come and see. So many of us think 
We can't be witnesses. And my life was changed because someone took a chance and just said, come and see Jesus and trusted Jesus to take care of the rest. And I had the best young life leader ever because he understood that's not just how we begin the Christian life, that's how we live the Christian life. I was such a mess when Jesus moved in, but my young life leader didn't point out all my sins. You know what he said? Come and see Jesus. Come and see him because he believed that if I would see Jesus, Jesus would change my life, and he did, and he is, and he will continue till I see him, right? Oh, the first step in my disciple-making adventure was to understand the power of come and see. That's why all of us can be disciple-makers. We can all say, come and see. Who do you know? Who you want to see come to faith in Christ? Won't you just say, come and see? Second step, Reformed Theological Seminary. (laughs) My friends, I used to be in a lot of trouble, so when they heard I was headed to a Reformed school... They had a very different idea in mind. When I went to RTS, it was in the dark ages. There was just one in Jackson, Mississippi. Now there's one in Orlando that Travis went to. There's one in Charlotte, North Carolina that Dave Ackerman went to. But I went to Jackson, and when I went there, I had flunked Latin in high school. And I was going to take summer Greek. And I was scared to death. And I was in a class learning, trying to learn summer Greek with all these people. And I realized I was not the brightest bulb in this pack. And I would meet other students and they would say, what are you here for? And I said, I'm here for summer Greek. And they said, I'll pray for you. <laughs> I wasn't feeling the confidence there, you know. And then <clears throat> a friend said, come here, Smiley. And he opened up the Bible and, and, and he read me a verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. And so he said, Smiley, do you believe Jesus has called you to the gospel ministry? And I said, yes, because I had experienced an inner calling that Jesus said, I want you to give your life to the gospel. And I had experienced an outer calling. It had been confirmed by others. And I said, yes. And he says, listen, if Jesus has called you, he'll bring it to pass. He'll supply you with everything you need to make it through Greek and even through Hebrew. Everything Jesus asks us to do is impossible for us to do, like becoming Christian. I mean, Jesus says to believe in me, right? But he raises us from the dead first. He supplies us what we need to respond. And everything he calls us to do is impossible for us to do, but he supplies what he commands. And that's why practicing our ABCs is not just how we start the Christian life. It's how we live the Christian life by faith. And so I said, Lord, I admit, (laughs) there's no way I'm getting through summer Greek on my own. I can't, but I believe. I believe that you want me to be a pastor, so if you want me to be this, you are sufficient to get me through. And so I committed myself to praying and studying, and he got me through. That's the Christian life. That's the life of a disciple and a disciple maker, isn't it? In Matthew 4.19, and Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Listen, you want to be a disciple? You want to follow Jesus? You can't do that on your own, right? But you can with Jesus. It starts when you admit, Lord, I can't on my own, but I believe that you will supply me everything I need to follow you. As you give me the strength, I commit myself to following you, right? 
Well, how about the second part of that, about being a disciple maker? Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Do you believe that? I mean, we get the first part right. We say, I can't, and that's correct. But we stop there, and we don't move on to the next. I believe what you promise is true, that you can make me a fisherman, and so I commit myself to follow you so you can make me a fisher of men. So my first step was young life. I understood the power of come and see. My second step that was so powerful was understanding faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. The whole Christian life is lived by faith. Um, my third step was Spanish River Church, uh, Spanish River Church. When I was at seminary, I met a man playing basketball named David Nicholas, and he was the pastor of Spanish River Church in Boca Raton. And a lot of students at RTS were going to Spanish River and doing a year's internship between their second and third year of seminary, but I was a horrible student, and I thought, if I ever leave school, I'll never come back. And so I said, David, could I come to Spanish River after I graduate and serve there for a year as an intern? And he said, yes. So when I finished seminary, I went to uh, Spanish River Church in Boca Raton to serve a year, which turned into half a year. But when I got there, David said, there's two things I want to teach you. I want to teach you how to spend time with Jesus, and I want to teach you how to share your faith. They're both really important. And so he taught me how to spend time with Jesus. He taught me how to have breakfast with Jesus. Because in seminary, they taught me how to read the Bible for you. Seminary taught me how to teach you the Bible, but they didn't teach me how to read the Bible for myself. And so David taught me how to feed myself how to read the Bible, and, and, and to pray the Bible, and, and, and to share the Bible, how to read it for myself. So one day there, I was bragging that I had not missed a day of running in three years, in three years, because I always found time to run. And David said, uh, how many days in a row have you started your day with time with Jesus? And I did something that I'm going to encourage you to do. I love to run. Now it's kind of more like stumbling, but I love to. And I find time every day of my life. But I made a commitment 44 years ago that before I ever go for a run, I'm going to spend time with Jesus first. And that changed my life so that I can say, listen, I have many flaws, but I have met with Jesus before I've run every day of my life for the last 44 years because I attached it to something that I find time to do. And I would encourage you to do the same. What is it that you like to do? To check the scores, to eat breakfast, to go online, whatever that is that you love to do, why don't you say, I won't do that until I first spend time with Jesus? I've been a pastor for a long, long time, and people say, how have you stayed in the ministry for so long? You know why? Because every morning I get up and spend time with Jesus. Second thing he taught me is how to share my faith. Now, sometimes people ask me, Smiley, uh, do you believe in proclamation evangelism or personal evangelism? Which do you believe in? What do you think I say? Yes. Listen, David Nicholas taught me to be pro-evangelism, pro-evangelism, in any form, I'm for it, because we're surrounded by lost people. And so he taught me how to preach the gospel every Sunday when I preach to share the bad news and good news in our part. You might have heard me do that, right? Once or twice. 
but he also equipped me and he taught me how to share my faith through personal evangelism. And that's what I wanted to equip you for. We've tried to make it really, really easy that, that we have put together a Do You Know booklet. Pick one up. You can share your faith. You can invite someone to come and just, and just read it to them. It's what you hear every week. You could do it in your sleep. Um, two questions. David would always ask us, and if you want to be a disciple, a disciple, so good, he would just always ask us, what are you learning in your time with Jesus? And who are you sharing the gospel with? Are those good questions to ask one another? What are you learning in your time with Jesus? And who are you sharing that with? And I want you to know the two go together. They go together. In John 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Oh, man. If we get up each morning and have breakfast with Jesus, do you know what he serves? He serves the bread of life. And when you eat the bread of life and you're surrounded by hungry people, you simply are compelled to go and say, hey, could I share with you the bread of life? Isn't that what evangelism is? One beggar sharing with another beggar where to find bread. Have you found it? Won't you offer it to others? And you know what else Jesus offers me when I have breakfast with him? Living water. Oh, living water. And you know, his living water quenches our thirst. And when we're th our thirst is quenched, we go out. I meet so many people and they're thirsty. They're trying to satisfy their thirst with alcohol or drugs or immorality or money. And I was no, no, there's living water. Come and drink living water for Jesus alone satisfies our thirst. Uh, always failing, <laughs> always trying to fail forward. It's better to fail forward than backwards, right? What I learned in young life, come and see. Come and see what I learned in seminary. Faithful is he who calls you and he also will bring it to pass. What did I learn at Spanish River? How important it is to, to spend time with Jesus, to have breakfast with him. How important it is to share our faith, to be involved in evangelism. Next step in my disciple-making adventure was West Boca Presbyterian Church. Um, I had been at Spanish River for six months, and I was leading a Bible study, and it just blew up. All these people started coming, and, and David Nicholas came to me one day and he said, Smiley, how would you like to plant a church? Spanish River has planted hundreds and hundreds of churches, and I believe West Boca was the first church they planted, and, and I had a chance to do that. <laughs> Listen, that was the dark ages of church planting. I had never thought about church planting. I had no plan in church planting. Uh, but I was young and dumb, and he said, would you do it? And I said, yes. It's good to be young and dumb at some times, right? Because you don't know things are impossible. And I had had that experience before. I became a Christian the end of my sophomore year in high school. And a month or two later, listen, I've been a Christian for a month or two. The pastor of the church I was going to said, it's great that you're not going to hell, but middle schoolers all over this county are going to hell. What are you going to do about reaching them? Would you like to lead our middle school ministry? <laughs> Now, who would turn over a ministry to someone who's been a Christian a month or two? But you know what? I was young and dumb, and you know what I said? Okay. And here's what I did. Every Wednesday, I went to Young Life, and I studied what my Young Life leader did. And then I came in on Sunday, and I tried to reproduce exactly what I saw. And isn't that what this passage is? Isn't it? Isn't that what Paul is teaching Timothy? The things which you have heard from me. Remember what you saw me, what you saw me do, what you heard me. Remember, remember, 
The things which you have heard from me, and you hear me every week, the things you've heard in the presence of many witnesses, and trust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Uh, so I went out in, uh, in 1980 and, and planted uh, uh, West Boca Presbyterian Church. I was a pastor there for 11 years. Uh, while I was there, I met Karen, and, and we got married, and we had four children. And, and you know what I learned at West Boca? What I learned was to be a strong leader. Uh, I became a pastor at 25, and there were people older than me. And it's hard to lead up in age. There's not many good things about being old, but there's fewer and fewer people older, and it's much easier to, young, to lead down. And so I was intimidated by many people in the church. Um, because someone will lead the church. And if the pastor doesn't lead the church, somebody else will. And so what I learned at, at that church, and I said, Lord, if you ever give me another opportunity to plant a church, I'm going to be a much stronger leader. And uh, listen, some of you are dads. Listen, you're the dad. Be the leader. Don't let your kids lead the family. You're the dad. Are you a mom? Be the mom. Don't let your kids run the house. Be a strong leader because someone will lead your family. And if you don't, someone else will. Uh, do you have a small group? Lead. If you don't, someone else will. Are you a disciple maker? Lead. Lead the person because someone will always lead. Um, Come and see, learn in young life, faithful is he who calls you, will also bring it to pass. Learn that in seminary. Boy, uh, feeding myself, having breakfast with Jesus, sharing my faith, learned at Spanish River, in Boca, I learned to be a strong leader. Uh, that brings to, to good news. Uh, I, I did grow up in St. Augustine, and, and I had prayed for many, many years that a PCA church, a Presbyterian church in America, would be planted in, in St. Augustine because I had so many lost friends that I wanted to meet Jesus and become disciples. And I prayed that for years and nothing ever happened. And, and one day it seemed like the Lord said to me, Smiley, why not you? You've been praying for it. Why not you? And I'm married to a very cautious wife. We had four kids at the time, and I shared the idea with Karen. She said, that sounds great. Let's do it. So in January of 1991, we moved here... <laughs> Uh, talk about failing forward. We had very little financial support, so I made a list of all the people I knew. And in one hour, I tried to go by and see them, catch up for oh, 20 years of life, lead them to faith in Christ, and invite them to join us in Good News Church, all in an hour. A little overambitious, right? But somehow through all of my failures, God brought together about 30 or 4 people that met in our living room for a couple of months. And listen, we didn't have much financial support, so we needed to find a place to meet. And so someone said, Smiley, check out the Riverview Club. So I went to the Riverview Club in the shores, and I walked in, and I was shocked. And I said, you'll rent this to a church? And they said, yes. Because I was coming from Boca Raton, and where I was was 60% Jewish. And every housing development would have had a clubhouse. But there's no way they would ever, ever have rented it to a church. So I was shocked that they were willing to rent the facility to us. And, man, it was unbelievable. They had a piano. They had a sound system. It wasn't any good, but, it, but they had one. And they had coffee pots, and they had chairs and tables. They had everything. It cost us $100 to rent it. 
And the only thing I spent money on was $25 for a wireless microphone. And, uh, and so I had our group of people together, and we prayed, and then we had our first service there in the Riverview Club. And we were there for nine years. And the reason for that, it was a big, nice place. We, it could seat 300 people. And the only way to move out of a place that can see 300 people is into a larger place because why would you want to build something smaller than what you were renting? So we were there for nine years, and on Christmas Eve in 1999, we moved into here and had our first service. And um, here's what I've learned in 33 years here, to focus on a few. What I've learned is to focus on a few because so much of my ministry has been focusing on a lot. The first service we ever had, we had 140 people who came. That night, we had our first small group meeting, and we had 50 people come to the first small group. So I never took the time to disciple people. I never took the time to invest in people and equip them to make disciples who could make disciples so that when we had small group leaders, they could disciple the people in their group and we could continually raise up new leaders rather than not having any leaders because we weren't discipling people. Um, it takes a lot of time to do Sunday morning. It takes a lot of work to do Sunday morning. And what I've learned is how important it is to focus on a few. So, you know, sharing with Karen the idea, if I had another church to plant, you know, I'd focus on a few. And she said, you want to plant another church? Go do it. I'm not with you. So, since I don't get a chance to plant another church, and since I've wasted so much of my life, on the time I have remaining... I want to focus on a few and encourage you to do the same. I've learned what Jesus did. Jesus knew he had a short time on earth. Do we know that? And in, in Mark 3, <clears throat> verse 14, and he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach. Yes, Jesus spoke to a lot of people, lots of crowds, but most of his time was focused on a few because he knew equipping them so they could become disciple makers would be the key to disciples, making disciples, making disciples so that we could be here today. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about in 2 Timothy 2.2. The things... Timothy, which you have heard from me in the presence of these witnesses, Paul is focusing on a few. Entrust these to faithful men. Look for faithful people. Look for people who want to go somewhere, who will be able to teach others also. Um, so what I'm going to do for the few short years I have left is I'm going to invest more and more time in people who want to go somewhere, do you? To faithful people, to available people, to trainable people, who people who say, I don't want to waste my life. Will you equip me to be a disciple maker? That's been how I've been failing forward in the great disciple making adventure. And so what we've learned this today is that Jesus invites us to make disciples together, and, and I, I want to give you an action step for the week, and that's to cultivate faithfulness. I want you to cultivate faithfulness in following Jesus 
personal holiness is important. It's really important that we follow Jesus and be a disciple. But I want you to cultivate faithfulness and being a disciple maker too. Don't follow Jesus by yourself. Invite others. Hey, come follow him with me. Come follow him with me. Let's do this together. Cultivate faithfulness this week. Remember how powerful. Just saying, come and see. Come and see. If people will come and see Jesus, Jesus can change them. He changed me. He's changed you. He can change them. Oh, be encouraged. Faithful is he who calls you. And he will also bring anything he calls us to do. He'll supply what we need to accomplish it. Oh, this week, be faithful to spend time with Jesus. No one needs Jesus more than we do. Let's have breakfast with him. Listen, be faithful to share with others what you're learning. (laughs) Be faithful. If you're a leader... If you're a dad, be a strong dad. Be a strong mom. Be a strong small group leader. Be a strong disciple maker. Oh. Learn from my failures. Let's learn from Jesus. Listen, let's let's learn from Paul and let's focus on a few. The things which you have heard from me In the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you came to seek and save sinners. Thank you for dying and rising and offering us eternal life as a free gift. If if the lights have come on for you for the first time to understand your sin, And then what Jesus has done for you and how eternal life is a gift, won't you receive that gift one day? It'll be too late. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you or tell someone. That will make Jesus more real to you. Jesus, we're so thankful, those of us who've received you, that you're our model. You're our model in life and ministry. We're so thankful that our failures are not fatal, that we can fail forward. Lord, help us to fail forward. Lord, I pray this week that we would cultivate following you, that we would cultivate being your disciple, pursuing personal holiness, following after you. And then, Lord, I pray that each of us would cultivate a faithfulness and, and being disciple makers that, that we would share with others. Who do you know who really needs to hear? Come and see Jesus. Lord, who do you know that you could invite? Hey, come. I'm following Jesus. Come and follow him with me. Won't you go? and invite them to follow Jesus with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.